Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. There is so much to unpack from the Suns' 113-100 win over the Lakers, eliminating the defending champions in the first round, that I'm not sure where to begin. This is the menu I hope to cover. Anthony Davis being cleared to play with a groin injury that held up all of five minutes. Devin Booker illustrating the point I made earlier today on Colin Cowherd's show on FS1 about the impact of AAU basketball on American NBA players and how being an efficient playmaker has damn near become a lost art. Let's start with AD and get that out of the way. Let me also start by saying I apologize if I'm about to offend anyone in the medical or sports medicine profession. I'm not going to pretend that I know more about physiology or orthopedics or kinesiology or any of the other sciences and disciplines involved in preparing professional athletes to perform than those who have made it their career or earned a degree by studying them. I respect knowledge, and I respect science. This is what I do know. They are not exact sciences. Yes, we have biometrics and blood tests and oxygen intake evaluations, more ways to measure how the body functions than we ever have before. But that is still data. Numbers. Perhaps with enough data, it's possible to create benchmarks or margins. Fall within the margins, and chances you are okay. Fall outside the margins, and chances are there's an issue. I've personally gone through this myself with a recent blood test. All my markers are in the normal range except for one. It's taken some thorough investigation to figure out the source of that one outlier. We think we have it, but we're not 100% sure. When I say 
we, I mean me and the endocrinologist. Keep in mind, I wouldn't even be aware of this outlier if it weren't for the blood test. I feel great. I have none of the symptoms that are normally associated with that particular element being out of whack. But to be safe, we're taking some steps to see if we can coax it back within normal margins. I bring all this up because NBA teams or their medical staffs are treating sports medicine as if it can be exact, even though the evidence that it is not is staring us right in the face. If it was exact, would Kevin Durant have missed an entire season tearing his Achilles tendon, playing in an NBA Finals game, the most stressful challenge there is in the sport? Would Anthony Davis have been cleared to play in Game 6? Common sense says that neither one of these players was put through the necessary stress tests in order to be played, or the stress tests are flawed. How else can we look at these events? I can't help but shake my head whenever minutes restrictions are brought up. This is a relatively new concept for those who are new to following the NBA. As if there is a way to anticipate what a player is going to ask his body to do in any given minute. As if playing a sport, reacting to what an opponent does or where the ball happens to go, can somehow be anticipated and a player can be protected from those extraordinary moments by something as silly as how many minutes he's on the floor. Not even controlling how many consecutive minutes a player plays can safeguard that. Let me say it again for those in the back. There is no definitive way to measure a body's reaction to the stress put on it by playing a sport, particularly the incredible stress placed on it playing in the NBA. So why are we pretending that there is? Why are there such things as minutes restrictions for players when no minute is the same. I don't pretend to have answers. I will tell you, I believe performing a particular act conditions both the mind and body to perform that particular act efficiently, which reduces the possibility of injury. It's called practice. I don't believe swimming in a pool and working with exercise bands is a way of preparing a body for those particular acts. Yes, I believe in cross-training. Yes, I believe in rest. I do believe that there is such a thing as an injury from repetition. But what exactly are we repeating? Are we repeating footwork? Are we repeating how to play certain angles? Utilizing both hands? Having a variety of shots? Or is it repeating inefficient ways to play the game that is actually causing the problem? But Rick, you might ask, don't you agree that too many games played too close together, as is the practice on the AAU circuit, results in injuries? Yes, I do. But it's why those games cause injuries. Because the players are playing the game inefficiently. I'll just give you one example of how the way a player plays or learns to play has as much to do with his ability to play and avoid injury as anything else. Somewhere, Luis Scola is still playing basketball. It's in Italy, I believe. He's 41 years old. He started playing professionally at the age of 15. He played 10 seasons in the NBA. He started playing in the league at the ripe age of 27. For six of them, he played every single game. In a seventh, 
he missed one game. He also has played on the Argentine national team since 1999. Does Scola know some secret no one else does? Is he some superhuman specimen? Hardly. He averaged 18 points a game in his fourth season in the NBA, playing 74 of 82 games. He had four dunks the entire season. Some AAU players get that in one half of one game. He also averaged 18 without taking a single three-point shot. How? Because he knew how to position his body at 6'9", 240 pounds, to get easy baskets. He was as fundamentally sound, not flashy at all, but as fundamentally sound as any player you would find in the NBA during that time. At 6'9", with minimal vertical, he finished with a career average of almost seven rebounds a game, averaging 26 minutes a night. Was he jumping over guys? Hardly. The gold standard for a rebound, rebounder, by the way, is one per every three minutes of action. So Luis didn't reach the gold, but have to give him a solid silver. Now, per 36 minutes, he averaged 9.4 rebounds a game. You care to guess what Anthony Davis's career average for rebounds is per 36 minutes? 10.7. A little more than one rebound more than freaking no leaping Luis Scola. It seems to me, if we want to reduce the injuries being sustained by the best players, we might start with teaching them how to play the game more efficiently. Not through, say, load management. Clay Thompson is an example of both sides of this issue. Clay has been a modern-day Ironman. Through eight seasons, he never missed more than nine games in a season. Through his first six seasons, he missed a total of 12 games. And that's while going to the playoffs in seven of those eight seasons, playing an additional 123 games, 20-plus in four of those seasons, and putting in as much effort at the defensive end as he did on offense, if not more, in hard grinding playoff games. If you've seen him play, you know why. Because he's uber efficient in how he plays. He can score with one touch of the ball. In 2016-17, he averaged a career-high 22.3 points per game. He had a total of five dunks. Now, this is not a diatribe against dunking by any means. It's just not the most physically efficient way to score. And if we understand the body so well, how does a player like Clay suffer two consecutive catastrophic injuries? Was someone not monitoring him? Did we not know where his body was physically? I'm asking a lot of questions because I fully admit I don't have all the answers. But I do know how the game has changed. I know how it's being taught, or rather not taught, at the lower levels in this country. And I can't help but feel we're searching for solutions in the wrong place. By thinking that we can know the human body so well that we can make an exact science out of something that is simply not exact, or at least not as exact as playing the game in an efficient, phys physically less stressful way. Watching Devin Booker bury the Lakers with his unreal shooting in the first quarter earlier tonight, and then watching him keep the Lakers within striking distance by not knowing how to handle being trapped and double teamed, inexplicably dribbling toward the sideline or the half-court line, essentially giving the Lakers a third defender, rather than simply giving the ball up and moving without it to get it back, was painful. Ultra-efficient shooting, 
undermined by inefficient reading of the game. It got me to thinking about a statistic that I rarely see cited in today's game. Assist to turnover ratio. Once upon a time, three assists to every turnover was also a gold standard. Any guesses to who led that statistic the last two seasons? Tyus Jones of the Memphis Grizzlies. With five and a half assists per every turnover this season. 5.2 for every turnover last season. The only marquee player in the top 10 this year was Chris Paul with a 4 to 1 ratio. The young players that we laud as great playmakers today, or maybe not so young, are nowhere close to that. Doncic, for all his wizardry, is not in the top 100. Neither is Steph Curry. James Harden is 40th. Mr. Triple Double, Russell Westbrook, 60th. Ben Simmons, 67th. Trey Young, 75th. LaMelo Ball, 98th. LeBron didn't play enough games to qualify, but his 2.08 assists for every turnover this year is also outside the top 100. This wasn't always the case. Go back 10 years, and the top 10 is chock full of marquee players, primary ball handlers. Chris Paul led the league at 4-1. Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Rajon Rondo, and Kyle Lowry were all top 10. What do they all have in common? In spite of various physical issues, they continued to play and play effectively into their mid to late 30s. Because what happens when a turnover occurs? Loose balls, scrambles, unpredictable circumstances. And that is when injuries are more likely to occur. How did LeBron get hurt this year? It's a loose ball. I don't think it's an accident that for all of our advances and how to condition and treat NBA players, the game's biggest stars continue to sustain major injuries because most of the primary ball handlers today are playing the game more inefficiently than ever before. This is probably not what you expected to hear as a result of the Lakers being eliminated in the first round, thanks to AD getting re-injured or trying to play still injured and LeBron being knocked out in the first round for the first time in his career. But as I said at the top, you are going to hear perspectives and story angles here that you probably won't find anywhere else. I hope I gave you something new to consider as you watch the rest of the playoffs and the NBA in general. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're like me, you're getting back to work, which means you're starting to have to wear real clothes again. Please check out the show's sponsor, Mizzen and Main, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com for men's fashion made out of performance wear, the kind of stuff that was well, the material that you might wear when you're working out, dry fit type material, except it looks as good as any dress shirt I've ever worn. If you've seen me on TV, you've seen me wearing their shirts and their blazers. They have a whole array of other clothes to check out. And if you use the promo code BUCHER, B-U-C-H-E-R, they will give you a discount on your purchase. So now we move on 
without LeBron and Lakers as part of the postseason? Will we move on without the Clippers as well? We're about to find that out in the next slate of games. One thing is for sure, we're going to have a new king crowned. One last note about efficiency. The Lakers, as a team, finished 27th in assist-to-turnover ratio. The Phoenix Suns, second. I guess efficiency still does matter in one aspect of the game, and that is winning. All right, until the next time, as always, thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 